Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. And you can say that five times over in the mirror and nothing will happen to you. Um, I mean, we so, might show up and talk, you know, bad movies with you for a couple hours, but, you know, we'll leave you, you alone. Might, you'll you'll survive. You might find a 10-hour marathon of double feature verses on your YouTube playlist yeah. that you just can't delete. <laughs> Instead of getting ads every five minutes, you'll get us every five minutes, and you got to wait till the segment's over. Every <laughs> song on your iPad's going to be replaced by our podcast, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so we're you know we we we're we're a little bit of terrorists, but we're passive terrorists. Um, yeah. So today we are going to review Candyman back to back. We're going to do the original 1992 film, and we're going to do this uh direct sequel slash quasi reboot, but yeah, more of a sequel. Um, uh, the this 2021 Candyman film, um. First off, Brad, I just want to say, I know you're not a horror dude, so when I first approached you with this, I was a little wary if you would say yes, but I, I appreciate you putting your foot in the water, man. I yeah. feel like, yeah. Uh, it, the one thing is, I just, it's not my genre of movies. It's not that I'm like totally against all horror movies. It's just not where I go when I want to see something. I'll do thrillers all day long, so it's not because of like the scares and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. horror movies just get so tropish that it, it it doesn't end up being a fun movie for me. I get you. I understand what you mean. Um, you know, I felt when you first approached me with Bill and Ted, I was like, you know, because I do like stoner comedies. But when, mm-hmm. when you first approached me with those films, I was like, oh, I don't know. Are those going <laughs> to be funny to me? Those look a little dumb. But then, you know, obviously I ended up liking them because I gave them a chance. I'm willing to give everything, anything a chance. Um, you know, even if we I don't see us ever doing it. But even if we chose to just straight up watch the Fifty Shades of Grey films, I'll give it a chance, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. But, you know, um, that, that'll I be our final that. episode of all time. Why would that be the final? Why, why would we save that for the finale? Uh, because I don't think there's anywhere to go from there. I think we've covered all movies at that point. <laughs> we've reached the top of the mountain at that point, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I know usually I ask you about the chronological thing, but it just it just makes sense to start it, with the 1992 We've got to start with the 92 because, yes, the 21 it is it marketed as a reboot, but it's not. Or at the very least, everything that I saw marketing-wise was trying to pen it as a reboot. Um, I didn't get – well, I think the only reason someone might call it a reboot is because just like the original film, it's, it's the one name, Candyman. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the original Candyman had two direct sequels in um, 1995 and 1999. Um, but – you know, I would call it a, I would call it a sequel. You know, um, but it is, it is kind of, it's like a new age Candyman. But we'll, we'll get to that one. Yeah. So we're gonna start off with um, 1992. Uh, Bernard Rose wrote and directed um, this horror film, Candyman, based off a of Clive Barker short story called The Forbidden. And uh, basically, what this film is about is about a, uh, a Chicago graduate student played by Virginia Madsen. Uh, her name is Helen. She's trying to um, uh, investigate. Well, do, she's doing a study on this folk tale, this urban folk tale that um, is centered around, you know, basically the, the the urban side of town, the hood side of town, and it's about this man um, who is a, a demonizing, who is a demon ghost, who is the uh, son of a slave who was m- murdered in the late nineteenth century uh, for you know having a relationship with a um, with the with the with the white woman. And um, 
he's a ghost of an artist pretty much and uh he's a ghost that has a hook for a hand and uh he murders people when you say his name in the mirror five times and And they turn the lights off and then turn the lights off there you go yeah that that was a major thing you had to say his name and then turn the lights off at the very least in the 92 version oh okay oh well all right yeah i guess you're right because that's how the story starts because they talk they talk about um the one woman uh, uh, who had the the bad guy? Who had the uh, bad motorcycle boyfriend over? And yeah, they yeah, I got you. Yeah, I guess that's part of it too. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a plot point that's lost, you know, halfway through the film. But they really push that at the beginning. Is you had to turn the lights off after you say it. I got you. So I hadn't seen this film since I was like a kid. When I was a kid, I used to love horror films. Like around Halloween time, I would just line them up, dude. It would be this, uh, John Carpenter's original Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's Scream. Uh, what else? The, um, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I wasn't really a fan of the original back then. I am now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I would just line this up and just watch these all together. And I just remember this being like a great horror film, but I don't remember much about it. Um, rewatching it today as an adult, like this is, this is a, this is a great horror film, but it's very grim, dude. Like this is a grim, dark film. It is. There's definitely a lot of kind of subtleties with the horror as well with the whole, like her seeing Candyman. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it all in her head? And there's a lot that kind of plays with that is, everything going on because she's doing it or because it's actually happening okay i i guess i see what you're saying um but i i would say it answered that question real quick that it wasn't a game oh yeah it wasn't fantasy but i i see what you're saying I'd say the first like half of the movie kind of plays with that of you know is she just going insane kind of thing dude i gotta say uh while watching this film like like because like in the first Let's say like thirty minutes. You know, it's a, it's just a, it's a, like you said, it's subtle. It's a subtle ghost story. You nothing really. You don't know if this is in her head. You don't know if this is just folktale. Like the one scene where the guy shows up, like the thug shows up in the bathroom, and he says, like, I heard you looking for Candyman. And he like beats her up, and he walks away. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see how this being your first time, you're probably like, oh, so that's that's him. Like, oh, okay, maybe maybe the ghost story ain't real. But you know, go how these things go. That's yeah, not how, that's not how it ends. Like when it starts to get grim and violent, like I almost said to myself, "Oh man, why did I make Brad watch this? <laughs> like, why did I make him watch this? Because I don't remember it. I don't remember it being this. I don't know another term to call it. This ugly, like towards the latter half. Like as a kid, when you're a kid, you're kind of desensitized to things. When you're an adult, you kind of have more of a perspective on life, and you kind of take things." You understand emotions in films a bit yeah. more clearly. You, you kind you know, of feel it a little bit more. You you feel it a little bit more as you get older. Like I, I noticed it with my mom when I was a kid. She loved horror films. Nowadays, she's a bit more jumpy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in in her older age. But like yeah, with this film, man. Um, and here, here's what I want to say about this film. I love the social commentary. That's like that's like in the um below the surface of this film like i love how it touches on race and class like um even with cabrini green where this all kind of like centers around the projects where Candyman started mm-hmm. you you even get a taste of them talking about gentrification where she's talking with her friend um who was played by casey lemons another pretty great director um she says to her like yo like this this uh apartment i live in used to be in the projects like it used to be part of the projects and she's like blown away by it, like, no, are you serious? And you almost look at it as the, the what makes this film so timeless to me is that when you go beneath the surface of the horror story, there's a lot of deep things you can pull from it. Like you can almost look at it as Candyman as kind of like a quote unquote metaphor of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Like he he terrorizes that apartment, that neighborhood, just like people moving into certain neighborhoods. And um, pushing the the residents of that neighborhood out by you know raising up the uh, prices of the properties or whatever, are terrorizing those citizens. Like there's a lot of deep 
things you can pull from Candyman once you go beneath the horror story. Yeah, the, it, and it's as you, we said earlier, it's very subtle with this of kind yeah. of you know going because they mention like the floor plan of this is the same floor plan of you know all the project buildings that. You know, nobody wants to move into, but because of that line of these ones are safe, these ones cost so much more than those ones. They're the exact same. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Another thing I love about this movie is, um, look, man, when, a, when, when there's a black woman telling you, hey, we, we shouldn't go to that neighborhood. That neighborhood's unsafe. We, we should stay away. Stay away. Yeah. Stay away. And it hurt me so much in her death scene, like her friend Bernadette, because she was the only one that had common sense. Like, I love like this is why I call this a great horror film. Like, I love how horrifying that scene is. Like when she walks in the room and, you know, she looks at Candyman, Candyman looks at her. And then we get this we cut to this shot of where the baby is kidnapped. And we'll get to that later where the baby is kidnapped. And we just hear him grunting cutting into her her screaming like that's just that was just a well done horrifying scene it's very gruesome like it doesn't show it but it, you can feel it still you can feel it and it's just it, it's, it's horror done right because yeah. some of the most gruesome stuff is done off screen most some most of the times so, like there, it, there's one that really got me that was like oh yeah i don't i don't like this <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no. I'm talking about like in, in horror in general. Oh yeah. Like you, you can. It's a great job terrorizing the audience by having them picture in their imagination what's happening off screen. Yeah, just giving like, them sounds. The sound design was amazing. Yes. In in that scene, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The other murder was pretty gruesome and explicit with the with the psychiatrist. It, that yeah, was that, wild. That that one got me to the whole of like, oh god, no, I don't like this. Let this. Please tell me this is the only death that's like this. <laughs> and luckily it was. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but another thing, and we I want to cover how Helen comes into contact with Candyman. Um, so basically, the wager is he wants her to... Uh, what does he want from her again? No, he, uh, because... She made it so nobody believes in the tale because they caught the like gang member that was like posing right. as him, and now nobody believed that he was a thing. And without people believing, he can't exist anymore. So he needed to drop blood in her name in order mm -hmm. to get people to believe in the legend again, even if it meant creating a new legend that she would live on as. And in return, she would become alert, eternal as a legend by his side. And they would live eternally forever. There you go. So in the, in the thing with this is if she doesn't fulfill this end of the bargain, he's going to basically kill the baby. And um, yeah, the baby because is then that would continue his lineage of uh, the lore and the, I guess, the tale of Candyman. There you go. And the baby who, whose name is Anthony, um, his mother, the way we get we, the way we even get introduced to the baby is that Helen inter interviews her mother about the history of Candyman. Like, like, what's the whole deal in the projects? And like, I love how early in the film there's this cut to a jarring scene. We, we just see Helen wake up, you know, after she first meets Candyman, after he first like terrorizes her, she wakes up with, you know, Blood on her shirt in the bathroom. I think a knife is in her hand. Dog's head is cut off. And um, the mother is just freaking out. Like, you know, where's my baby? At first, I thought the baby was dead. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, shoot, where is the baby? You see yeah. the crib and it's just covered in blood. Right, right. And um, then, you know, then you later learn that, you know, the baby is missing. And, you know, she's like freaking out and attacking Virginia Madsen. Police come in and, and you know, arrest Helen's character and. Yeah, man. Like that's when I said, "Oh man, this movie is wild." Yeah. Like, um, well, it's been a while since I've seen this, man. It's it's really been a while, and yeah, it kind of threw me for a shock. But yeah, um, I will I, I say, I don't know if uh, the jump scares got you in this one, but there was one that I basically just yelled, you know, "Screw you!" to the movie as I was watching it. And that was the one with. Uh, the like medicine cabinet with the hook just comes right out of it as she's like just standing there that one got me 
that one didn't get me. That one didn't get me. That that's um, the one that really got like one of the dog bark ones got me, and then after that I was like, okay, it's it's gonna happen again, and that one didn't get me. But the the hook hand through like the medicine cabinet, that one, you know, I I was pissed that that one got me. <laughs> dude, with this film, everything hits when it comes to gothic horror. Everything hits right. Like Bernard Rose's directing and even the writing of the film, which which was him too. Um, Philip Glass, the music score, uh, Tony Todd's performance as Candyman. You know, everything just hits right, dude. Can we like, talk about his voice in this? My yeah, God, stop. that is the most chilling voice of like any horror movie that I've ever seen. The sound design was good with the voice. It was very good. Yeah, because um, that is – I don't know if like how kind – what kind of like modifications they did to it to make mm-hmm. it like that. But it sounds natural but so like ghost-like at the same time. It, it, it's so eerie. Every time he had like a spoken word, it was just like, oh, I'm getting chills down my spine. I don't like this. I don't – this doesn't feel safe. Yeah. Um. It was – um. Yeah, I, I really feel like they did a great job with the voice. I feel like they made it more, like, like you know what Apple Music, how they got Dolby Atmos now with the sound, yeah, where it, where it sounds like it's all around you. I feel like that's what they did with the with his voice for then, for the '90s, for then. Yeah, it um, definitely had like a kind of almost echo to it, but it wasn't an echo. That's like the closest thing that I can think of to describe it, or like a reverb kind of to it. Dude, the gore in this movie is the gore. The gore is top notch, man. Like for a '90s film, like like it, like it was you, pretty intensive. It was intense. Um, it's like when you see like like Bernadette, which was the worst death to me. Um, like when you see the aftermath of that, when her her husband is there and he's just like shaking, like you can tell her husband was really feeling like, yo, is my is, is my wife really a murderer? Like, and you know, you see her body on the ground, and she's just like all pale, and her her chest is like just has blood over it. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, this is a hardcore. I wouldn't say this is a hardcore horror, but this is very grim, a very grim film. Oh yeah, um, and I think it's even disturbingly beautiful in some ways. Like when you when you have the music mixed with Tony Tony Todd's uh you know vocals. And um, it's kind of a twisted love story in some ways, too, because he keeps saying, you know, it was always you. You were always meant to carry on the legend. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 it has some subtle, beautiful moments to it. Yeah, it, there's definitely like, uh, well, just with uh, cinematography and stuff like that, with the moment where she goes through the. I think it's a medicine cabinet at first mm-hmm. to like come out on the other side and there's artwork of Candyman with his mouth open. She comes, yeah. you know, walking out of his head. It's like, oh, that is a beautiful scene. And yeah, after that, I was just like, oh, there's going to be something bad on the other side, though. I, I love this moment, but I feel like I'm going to hate this moment and, you know, soon enough. And luckily, it, it didn't you- turn to that, but. <laughs> It takes your time by pulling you in slow. Yeah. You know what I mean? It pulls you in slow into as you descent more into the darkness. And I like that about it. Um, it's a very, it's very, pro- it has a progression with this horror. Um, what else do I want to say about this? Uh, what'd you feel about the ending? Uh, the ending, I, I really didn't think much of it, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. With the whole trash pile and, you know, her saving the baby and, you know. I thought that was a cool scene. Uh, the very, very end, like the last death with mm-hmm. her husband and stuff with the, like, strobe effect. I just found that one annoying, I'll be honest. Uh, I feel like the th- girlfriend was annoying. <clears throat> she was annoying, but at yeah. the same time, like, th- that kill sequence was one where I was like, ah, this is... They they were going for so good on this one, and then they just fell into this weird horror trope thing again because of the strobe effect and everything like that. And I was just like, ah, it's starting to lose but me it's here. The 90s. It's it the nineties. It's the nineties, though. Yeah. Like, okay, I get you on that. I get you on that. Um, 
I can say, I rest of the movie, great, but it's just that one kill sequence was just like, ah, I don't care for this one. Like, not even like, I don't care for it because this is too gruesome. It's just, I don't care for it because I didn't find it, you know, very appealing at all you know, from a cinematography you know, standpoint. You know what scene messed me up, though? Um, the flashback scene about the kid who went in the bathroom and they came in there and he was screaming and holding his thing that wasn't there anymore i was like oh my goodness oh, yeah i was like oh that's horrible that's horrible like what kind of monster would do that and i was like oh candy man of course <laughs> you know uh, um but yeah uh on top of that man i'd say based on what you're looking for if we're, if we're looking at this for what it is gothic horror um it just does everything so right and it doesn't even feel dated to me except for the strobe effect i give it a five i i gotta give this one a four you know i don't normally go for these kind of movies so that's a high praise of it getting a four uh Mm -hmm. but it it still it falls in that thing like i'm not gonna go back and watch this movie and it's hard for me to find some people you know to i'd be like oh you gotta watch this one if I had horror fanatics, I would rec- like. There's a horror Discord I'm on. Like I know they they would they oh, they yeah. love or I, I, if I ran up. into a horror fanatic that's never seen this movie, I would definitely tell them to check it out. But yeah. I have a hard time believing that those people really exist. <laughs> oh, no, they they exist. But you know, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I feel like um, it's fa- it's fair that that you say that. If it's what if you got to know your audience. Yeah. You gotta know the audience that's looking for this type of movie, and if they look for this type of movie and they find it, it's gonna be up their alley. Like I'm looking at it like for what it is and for what it's aiming, it does a great job. You know, the director had a cameo in this movie. Did they? He was the, yeah, he was the um, he was the arrogant dude at the table that was asking Helen and her friend about their thesis when uh, they were at dinner. Oh, like toward like the beginning part before everything started going down. Yeah, the professor, the professor dude. Yeah. Okay. That's him. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, okay, okay. So we're gonna transition over, and um, you know, I might go on a few rants here about this movie, <laughs> but but we're gonna we're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it. Uh, so fast forward to present day, twenty twenty one. Um, Nia DaCosta, you know, um made this direct sequel to Candyman um, called Candyman, uh, co-written and produced by Jordan Peele. Um, So this film, um, in this film we follow, and if you don't know already, folks, you know, spoilers abound. It it is what it is here. Um, But If you haven't seen this movie, we are going to have to go into spoilers for this one because – just there's so much with this one that is good and bad that we got to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but um, so in this film, we're basically following the baby from the first Candyman, Anthony. And, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing Anthony as a grown man. He's an um, he's an artist, uh, which is cool because, you know, Candyman was an artist when he was a, when he was human. Uh, the Candyman from the first film. So anyway, he's an artist. Um, he's in love with this woman who is an art curator. Um, and uh, they um, he, he's working on his next piece. And uh, while working on his next piece, he uh, also investigates the Cabrini Green projects where the legend of Candyman is. He meets a man uh, played by Coleman Domingo, uh, a man who runs a laundromat, who uh, uh, tells him the tale of uh, Candyman and um and says that when he was a kid um back in the was it the it was the 70s right um something like that i don't remember the exact time frame but this is actually a scene that we see at the very beginning of the movie of him as a kid which i i loved this scene i thought this was like a great opening for the movie and especially because i didn't know what we were getting with this one after watching uh the first movie i wasn't entirely sure what to expect for this one really but i thought that was a great because that was such a creepy introduction to him like the candy man just coming out of the wall he just has like a handful of candy and just reaches out yeah. to the kid just it's so eerie and nothing happens but the entire context of it is just so it it, it feels so wrong <laughs> 
it feels so weird. Yeah, it feels and very he, weird. Yeah, yeah. And he explains to him the uh, the tale of Candyman. Where in the beginning, we feel all we hear is a scream, and we don't know what happens as it cuts straight into the title sequence. But um, you know, he basically tells him like, "Yo, uh, there was a guy in our neighborhood named Sherman Fields. Uh, he had kind of a hook for a hand and used to give kids candy. He was my Candyman." And uh, basically what happens is he screams because there were some kids in the neighborhood that had gotten some candy that had a razor blade in it. Uh, it wasn't Sherman's fault, but the police thought it was him. So once um, Coleman Domingo's character as a kid screams, the police come down there. They beat Sherman to death. And basically he becomes the quote unquote new candy man um, ghost wise, you know, Uh so so um, Anthony is uh, investigating this and he wants to create a piece off this. So he does the, you know, the ultimate sin. He says Candyman five times in the mirror. And now Candyman, in a way, is I don't want to say he possesses him, but he comes alive and kills people around him. Um, and he kind of he kind of like it's not the same thing with Helen where. Okay, no, no. He is being framed like Helen. Yeah. But it's not like a thing where he blacks out and doesn't remember things. He's remembering things, but he's also he's also not like, there when the murders happen. He's kind of like, you know, he knows the people, and then he like leaves, and all of a sudden, then Candyman comes and kills them. Right. So that's basically the story, and it's just pretty pretty much trying to figure out, okay, how can we kill him? What's happening? What what's going on? Um. I'll say this, man. I, I will say this. I love um, when the film gave me hope in the beginning because after the prelude, I like how the title sequence of this film mirrors the title sequence of the first one. Where with the first one, we're looking down with that crane shot as the titles come through. Mm-hmm. And with this one, we're looking up. And um, I, I like that little mirror because this, this whole film like, feels like it's a mirror of the original. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, not only that, but even like the logos from the start, they're all backwards. And yeah. I remember looking at that and going, oh, that's an interesting choice. And I feel so stupid because I didn't realize it was supposed to be like looking into a mirror until I was reading other there people's comments on it. And I was like. Yeah. Oh, it was me. Oh, God, I'm such an idiot. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I didn't know that either until you just said it. But that makes it more interesting. Yeah. So they did that. So it's all mirrored. Uh, like you're looking into a mirror. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'll say the first half of this movie um, is a is a very is a, the, the first half of this movie has a has a strong story to it. I was engaged with the characters it may not have creeped me out as the original, but it engaged me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if the even if some of the kills were kind of like lackluster or like mainstream kills, so to say, so to speak. Um, In terms of kills, this movie seemed very like almost safe. If, if it was going for like a PG thirteen rating at one point. It was and, really safe. Yeah, um, but some of them were kind of cool, even though they were playing like the scene with the girls in the bathroom. I, I wasn't I wasn't I, blown away by that. I wasn't blown. I kind of like the whole like mirror thing where you like could see it from yeah, the little yeah. pocket mirror on the floor to see what was going on and everything. I was like, okay, I kind of like that. Like from like a, a scene standpoint, that's cool. And then they kept doing stuff like that throughout the rest of the movie. I was like, this is just getting boring. I'll tell you one thing that um, that got me that I thought was really cool. That one shot where he's at the art critic's house and after he leaves, you just get that zoom out shot of her lifting and being and being like, you know, basically killed by the invisible candy oh, man. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that was a nice shot. Yeah, because like, then I, you also have the other people like you can see every other apartment through the same windows and everybody's kind of just sitting down in their, their living room watching TV yeah. or, you know, in the kitchen or cooking or something like that. And she's literally just hovering being like, I assume being held up by a hook, but I couldn't tell. I don't know if like during your screening or anything you could tell. Tell what? Like how she was being hung up or anything. Because I knew during mine, the picture was so small by that point when it zoomed out. I was like, okay, I'm guessing she's being hung up by the hook, but I can't see. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, you, you couldn't. I mean, you were you in a Dolby one? I wasn't in a Dolby one. Okay, yeah, I was in a Dolby one. Yeah, you could see her being uh, 
like lifted up and like swung around and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I felt like that was very cool. Like I could see um, that, but I you couldn't see like a physical hook. Like I was curious if you could actually see the physical no, hook. No, I couldn't see a hook. Oh, okay. No, because he's he's invisible, so yeah. to speak. You know, um, you can see him through the mirrors, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, um, I think Nia, Nia DaCosta, who um, I believe she's she's supposed to be doing Captain Marvel too. I don't know what she really did before this. Um, I think this, she did a film called Little Woods that was like an independent film. She um, she does a good job with this film. Like she does a good job directing it. Mm-hmm. It's the story that loses me. Like um, okay, so back back to the film. So it has a strong first half. Uh, the the story is engaging. I already know that he's Anthony from the from the original film because Vanessa Williams, who played his mother, I saw she was in the cast. So I said, okay, he's that Anthony. Like, I, I already knew it before they brought it up in the second half. But um, as it goes to the second half, I just had this strong, my my black spidey sense came up. And I said, this is, this is turning into too much of a woke film. Like, this mm-hmm. is losing the horror very quick and easy. Like, it, it came to a point where at one point I wanted to scream at the, at the projector, at the projection screen, like, we get it. Gentrification, bad. Police brutality, bad. Get back to the story. Like, I felt like it was just trying to push, you know, social commentary in your face. The mm-hmm. best thing about social commentary is when it's beneath the surface. You give the audience breathe to dissect it and, and put it in line with the film. Like, the reason I say the original Candyman is a classic is because you have to fight beneath the surface of the of the general horror story to understand oh this talks about gentrification this talks about race and class there's a deeper story to candy man yeah like this film with the first one i can say if it wasn't for the fact that i already kind of knew that was one of the themes with the movie prior to going into it it, it, it's so subtle you could miss out on it very easily but well i don't think so man I feel like it, it's it's subtle to a point, but it's not subtle to a point where you can miss it. It gives you so many clues. Like when they're driving to the projects and Casey Lemon's character is like, yo, we shouldn't be here. This, this is an unsafe neighborhood. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, like what were you doing over there? There was so much of a other kind of tone to their voice when they say that. This film is so heavy handed with this messaging. It's like, it's like, wow. It's like I was being taught a lecture about, you know, race and class. Like, my thing is, if I want, if I wanted to see that type of movie, I would go see that type of movie. I would go watch a documentary. The, yes, I came to see a Candyman movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which Candyman is kind of a woke story, but it's a woke story that doesn't it it it, it matches its social commentary with its story. It doesn't let the social commentary overcome the story. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like I can. There's the one point where it's toward the end when uh, the laundromat guy was explaining like his entire thing, and he was like, "We gotta have a new legend here to kill all the people that want to gentrify this area." And I almost expected like a strobe light effect, and the, the words "gentrification is bad" to just start blaring on the screen for a solid five seconds afterwards before Dude. going back to the movie. Like it was so in your face about it, and it had to explain itself constantly. Listen, man, I, I the more it kept coming up, like um, I started to slowly have a problem with it. Some some scenes I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Like the scene where they're at the art exhibit, she's look. The art critic is looking at his project, and she kind of like cuts him with her, uh, cuts him with his words. Like you artists, you guys try to, you know, um, glorify uh, gentrification to to get, you know, ba- basically get some for clout, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Being that he and um, later on he gives her a lecture on gentrification, that little speech and all that. I didn't mind those scenes at all. I felt like okay. You know, that's fair to like for him to shut her down after she tried to shut him down. But then when it started to get in the territory of um, like what the what you just said and it just it just kept well, spelling even it a little out bit more. before that. But that's the point where I was like, OK, just throw the words on the screen, strobe effect and let's get this over with. I want to get back to the movie now. Yeah. Yeah. That, too. You know, like I said, the first half has an engaging story. If I'm even if I'm not creeped out by it, like I wasn't creeped out by this movie at all, but I like the story. 
Um, towards the second half uh, and basically towards the third act, I was like, what, what is going on? Like, like Coleman Domingo's character, uh, I think his name was uh, Will or William Burke, the man who owns the laundromat, which I think was a pretty smart move, being that he was going to do laundry at the time when he ran into Sherman and the whole mm. thing happened. Um, they showed that little flashback of him and, you know, he, he sees his sister get killed by Candyman. And then all of a sudden they cut back to him after he took um, Brianna, Anthony's girlfriend. He says, OK, now it's complete. I'm like, what? What, 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 what sense does it make to all of a sudden make him the bad guy? Yeah. That was just so random. It, it was and a like, weird flip that they made. Yeah, it, it, it was like, I, I did not understand the motivation. Did you? I did not. There's so many weird things about this movie that I didn't understand. Uh, one of the ones that it's still, I, if there was a point to this scene, uh, not only did I completely miss it, but I couldn't even find anything on, I was so far off, I couldn't find anything online regarding this scene. And it's with um, the one little girl, the flashback scene to her as a kid with her father going like, I can fly, and just jumping out of the window. Yeah, her dad committed suicide. Yeah. What was the point of that? I think the point of that from a writer's standpoint is showing that she has she has lived with a um a man that has gone crazy before, so she doesn't like what's happening to her boyfriend. So she's a little disturbed by how Anthony is acting because she's starting to get visions of her dad and how he went crazy and he was an artist, and now she's seeing Anthony go crazy. Like I f- story wise, that made sense. I understand how it's so out of left field, but at, as far as character development goes, I'm like okay. That's why that scene is there. It's showing why she's being freaked out. Well, any woman would be freaked yeah. out. Well, but it's yeah, at that point, she... with what he was doing and everything like that and how he was getting, like, so into, like, the lore and stuff. Like, if you saw anybody doing that, you'd be like, this isn't healthy, man. You got to you gotta calm down. Also, why do you have a bunch of holes in your hand? What's going on with Dude, that? Who comment? Listen, no one comments on this until it gets so bad. Yeah. To the point where he's picking at it, and the one lady is like, careful, dude. <laughs> I'm like, that's all you got to say to that? Yeah. This man is literally picking at his hand. You know, and I, I, I listen, from a from an effect standpoint, I like the way they show him slowly deteriorating. I feel like that was pretty cool, but it was like, it, it made no sense that nobody commented on it. Right. Like, it made no sense. I can say, like, visually, that it, it started to irk me a little bit because it does start to get a little bit, like, gruesome with the design of it. Mm-hmm. To me, at least. Like, that's the kind of imagery I don't care for and everything. So it, it started to, like, get to me a little bit when they were, like, showing it off and stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. And then when you got, like, the bandages on his hand, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, what, what what was I about to say? But yeah, I understand the placement of that scene. I, from a character development standpoint, I didn't have a problem with it. Listen, two two things that that I really liked about this film, as far as scenes go, I loved Vanessa Williams scene where he where he finally goes to see his mother, and she kind of breaks down to him his past. Like, I felt like, you know, her acting was really. Like every, everyone does a pretty good job acting. Yeah, in I this didn't movie. think the acting in this was bad by any point. But I felt like she was like the best thing. Like I loved like like the emotion put into her character of like trying to. She just wants to give her son a better life and not have him relive the moment he got a, abducted by by a demonic ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it really hurts her that um that she has to tell him this and that he's leaving her, and um yeah, it's pretty much the last time she she sees him alive. I feel like that scene, as far as acting goes, is like the best acting scene. Um, and I love there, there's this one line that made me crack up, where uh, Coleman Domingo, he was a uh, he was, t- it's when um you know his girlfriend's tied up and you know Anthony is behind him and he's just you know like kind of like out of it or whatever. He says, "Yeah, I used to go to church here. I, I guess I'm on some other shit now." <laughs> I busted out laughing. There, there was another point where um, the the girl was like looking down the staircase and just went, "Nope." Right, right, right. And that that I one see. also got me. I love that scene. 
I said to myself, that's such a Jordan Peele moment. Oh, that one was a whole, like, Jordan Peele, like, you know he put that right in the script. (laughs) Right, right. Um... So yeah, I mean like that that line made me laugh, but it's it's really the the final like battle that really makes me roll my eyes. Like I I I understand the message, I stand by it, but the execution is in the wrong movie. Mm-hmm. Um where um you know, of course um Carmen Domingo's character follows her and you know, she kills him. Anthony is like full on candy man now and uh well, he you know, the the guy chops his hand off and, and sticks a hook in there, um, but anyway, he uh, he gets shot by the police because they think he's the perpetrator, um, and you know they put her in the back of the car. Uh, police officer gets in the car and basically says like, uh, either you lie about what happened tonight and tell us that your guy is the guy who did all this, or we'll say that uh, he shot the officer first. And all. basically, um, or, no, it he, was even more of a threat than that because it was like either you comply with the story we're about to say, or right. we're going to say that you were an accomplice into all of this. Right, right, right. Yeah. So basically crooked cops. Yeah. Um, you know, Candyman coming out in the end after she says his name, he kills everybody and all of that. All that is fine, but but my thing is basically, it feels like the only people that really get killed in this movie are like either dumb white kids, that art critic, um, that that douchey art guy, and you know crooked police. The Candyman I know doesn't discriminate. He goes after everybody. You say his name, he goes after you. That that was the goal of the first movie. This I, one, I, it seems to be, you end up pissing off this one guy, and Candyman will kill you. Right, and it's like you know, like I understand, I understand they couldn't have Candyman kill her because that would just be more incoherent than it already is incoherent. But I was like, the Candyman I know don't. He, it, it, there's no discrimination. He'll mm-hmm. kill anybody. You yeah. know, like, and I just felt like, oh gosh, this 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 was forcibly woke, wasn't it? This yeah, is trying it, to make it, too much. Yeah, yeah. It, the writing definitely was not up to par of the cinematography of this one because it has some beautiful, like the puppet some nice scenes. Shots. Um, yeah, right. I guess was it wasn't really puppets. It was like the art craft kind of things with like the shadow puppets. Bit. I guess they're shadow puppets. Yeah. Um, I love those. I absolutely love that. I would completely watch you know an entire recap of the first movie in like that kind of shadow puppet you know way yeah like i love listen i didn't mind the idea of like there being like five candy mans you know what i mean there's the there's the son of a slave and then there's sherman then there's others and stuff like that i don't mind that idea it's just i felt like it was trying to push a narrative it was trying to push push its point on its audience and even after the film i don't mind this but i would mind this if the if the commentary was subtle and kind of flowed more beneath the surface rather than on the surface uh where it said it gave a hotline for if you know anybody that has suffered racial injustice please call this number i felt like that's great Mm -hmm. but i just felt like that whole turn of Candyman. Candyman is not a hero he is oh not no, he's not hero. supposed to. He's supposed to be like a Jason, a Freddy. You he's know? not a vigilante. Yeah, but he he's is not supposed a to be villain. Deadpool. Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. This film had a "Don't Breathe" two issue, where it was trying to turn its strong antagonist into a protagonist. Like it, it tried, it tried to go Terminator two Judgment Day, and I'm like, nah, man, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, I will say, I think the whole like five plus candy mint whatever they were doing with that Mm -hmm. uh it was only so they could do the surprise like oh this isn't actually a reboot it's a sequel because that's that's the only thing that i can think of is that they were trying to push this as like a reboot and then surprise it's actually a sequel because now we can bring in you know all these other people prior to that you would have only seen this new candy man and thought it was like only about this I wouldn't say that. I'd say it's a sequel based off Anthony's character alone. Well, I feel like that was supposed to be like a big surprise in the movie that makes it a sequel. I mean, well, listen, I'll say this. If you saw the original film and you watched the trailer 
and you see Vanessa Williams in the trailer, like you you it's not that big of a surprise though. Like if the original film is fresh in your head, you're like, oh, if she's in this and his name is Anthony, oh, that's what they're gonna do. So like, it's, it's, I didn't watch the trailer prior to going to see this one. You know, like oh, I watched okay. the first one and then I went to this one and I was like, oh, that was pretty neat. Like I thought it was a nice little kind of thing. And I was like, oh, so this is a sequel then. It's Why still did a nice say twist. Pretty- yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, it's still a nice twist. But taking all that in, man, I just it, if only the, the second half was as strong as the first half, this could have been a great film to me. Without even being scary. Like, I'm not scared of the original Candyman, but it's a horrifying film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's horrifying. This film was kind of like, okay. Like, it, it, like, if the second half was as strong as the first, it could have been like a well-done horror film with a nice story. You know, a well-done ghost story with a nice, you know, with, with a nice storyline. Yeah. I, I, but For me, yeah. there's just a lot. Of, they pushed a lot of narrative. And then the cool concepts that they brought with it didn't seem to go anywhere. Like him being invisible except for in mirrors. I wanted that mm. to play a part in like somebody trying to run away from him and using like mirrors to try and, you know, get away at being able to see him and stuff. And that didn't happen. I thought um, it was a little weak that they, that they, that you couldn't see him. No, I thought I, that was kind of like weak. it. I, at first I was like, okay, this is going to play something big because they kept showing the mirrors and you could see them in the background in some shots and stuff before anything really happened. And I was like, Mm -hmm. they're really going to play into this. This is, this might actually be like a huge, like really good jump scare moment that they can pull off with these mirrors and everything and nothing came of it. And I gotta say like, that was probably one of my biggest disappointments when it came to like the kills is they were just all so nonchalant, so to speak. They were weak. I mean, well, no, not weak. I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be fair. Not weak, but they were PG thirteen. They they were very PG thirteen. Um. Yeah, they were PG thirteen, man. Uh, I feel like the only reason is radar is because blood came out. Um. You know? I think the only kills that were really even get at that were the ones at the end with the police. Those were the that, only like real kills that you saw. Everything else was one, just fountains of blood. That one, and when he cut my man's hand off and put the put the hook. Oh in the yeah, hand. that that was a little yeah. And when she's killing them too, which I thought was over the top, but you know I get it. You know you're supposed to like put the pedal to the metal. We're in the third act, um, but you know I feel like. Like the directing is not bad. Nia DaCosta, I'm I'm interested to see what she does with Captain Marvel too. But I feel like the story could have been stronger. You know what I mean? Like if we're gonna compare this to the original, the music score isn't bad either. The title sequence was pretty good, and uh, they even have like a, a wink to Philip Glass's original score during the end credits. But I. I don't think the directing nor the music could save this man. Uh, two point five for me. This this one's like a two. It's it's got some great cinematography and that's about it. Some interesting concepts that don't really go anywhere and some great cinematography. Now, now let me ask you this: If you had never saw the nineteen ninety two film and you went into this like just cold cold blooded, did you still like it? I probably would put this as like one of the worst movies I've seen this year if it wasn't for the 1992 version. Oh, so how does that one put it over? Because of the actual connections to it and the kind of little bits I got to see there that actually brought me into the story. If I hadn't seen the 92 version, those little bits wouldn't have got me at all. Look, I'll, um, I'll be honest, man. I, I'm, I will probably never watch this again. Like, no, I'll, I have I'll, no intention of seeing this one again or recommending it to people. It's it's not for me at all. Here's the thing with the original film. I'm probably not going to watch that again anytime soon um, because I like living a nice, uh, peaceful life. But, um, <laughs> but you, you know, I if I do watch that again in a few years, I know I'm in for like a disturbingly beautiful ride. You know what I'm saying? I know even no matter how gruesome it is, it's still a great horror film this one i felt like i saw it 
that was that. Yeah. Did they ever explain why bees in this one? Because I know with the first one, they oh, yeah. uh, covered him in honey and then let him die getting stung to death by bees. What was the reason for bees in this one? Did I miss that? Same same explanation. I mean, it's the same Candyman. It's just a different variation of Candyman. Oh, okay. I thought this was supposed you know? to be the Candyman that was actually giving out candy and the razor blades kind of thing. It is. But, like, the, remember, there's five Candyman. You know what I mean? There's different Candymans through the ages. That Candyman passed the torch on to, I guess, Helen or something. Well, no, not Helen, but this film is canon, but it ain't. You know, okay. basically the story is, you know... Each of the Candymen, they all they all come back to the original Candyman. That was the son of the slave. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the bees is just you know they covered them in bees and you know. Uh, okay, so it was just continuation of that one. There wasn't anything specific to the because I understood like the hook hand because he had the hook hand and everything like that. But they still played with the bees and it was like I don't why the bees still there was no connection to bees to him. But if, if yeah. that was it that. It sounds loose to me, but at the same time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I was rooting for this movie. I really wanted it to slap. I, I, I was so geeked up. Like I, I, the the original script, the script was out there somewhere. I, I didn't read it because I kind of wanted to walk in without reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was rooting for this so much. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I wouldn't count this as a negative on Jordan Peele's uh, filmography because again, he you know he produced this. He just co-wrote it. Um, I'm still looking forward to Nope because I think that's gonna be dope. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know, man. I just walked out and I just said to myself, Unreal, dude, Unreal. Yeah, I I, I remember when the movie wrapped up, just kind of thinking, okay, well, I guess that was the new candy man <laughs> yeah not much beyond that and uh yeah i think it was like a little bit later i even saw your uh post on facebook just going oh <laughs> it was like yeah yeah i, I can already tell what anthony's thinking on this one <laughs> I, I just wrote sigh and then uh, a friend of mine commented below you didn't like it and then i kind of went deaf with him but yeah i was just like <sighs> Oh, I didn't see your response to it. I just saw your one thing of just the, oh, and I was like, yep, yep. I sentiment's clear on this one. At least I didn't miss something then. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I like, I like how you told me, um, uh, when I told you, when I texted you beforehand, I said, man, look, I might go on a few rants here. He says, oh yeah, you're, you're going to have more to say than I do. One, cause I don't know this genre and you know, like, you know, some themes like maybe you could touch on that. Like, you know, you, you know more than me, but yeah, I, I, I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this was, it was just all right, man. Just yeah. all right. Yeah. I can say uh, with this being your genre of movie, you have a lot more to complain about than I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so I guess you know it's it's kind of without saying double feature header header to header uh, original wins out. Oh yeah, it's just it, no question. Easy game. <laughs> yep. So uh, what else you been up to, man? You watched anything lately? Um, actually, I did. I went back and watched uh, Pulp Fiction again because I got in a kind of discussion about that movie with somebody, and I was just like, I got to go back and watch this again. This movie is just. You know, I, I was basically rethinking like every scene in that movie. I was like, I got to watch it again. This is a classic. So I rewatched that one. It was just basically on uh, Quentin Tarantino kind of movies because the person I was talking to was like, I haven't really seen anything by Quentin Tarantino. And I was like, oh, you got to check out this movie, you know, Reservoir Dogs, uh, you know, Hateful Eight. And what was the other one that I said he needed to watch i'm blanking on it right now but yeah and so i was talking like pulp fiction he watched pulp fiction he just didn't care for it and i was like okay you did you get this and this and i was discussing the movie with him i was like i gotta watch this movie again it's been so long (laughs) wow wow he didn't like pulp fiction man listen man um wow that's crazy because every like Pulp Fiction is a movie where even if you find some of it a little depraved, you can't say you didn't walk away entertained. 
Yeah, he said there you know, were parts of it that were good, but it just felt very disjointed and it didn't seem to have like a purpose. Like he's more used to watching like the action movie where it's like we got to save the world and, you know, we got to get into this building and steal the Ark of the Covenant kind of thing. That's what he's used to. Let me tell you something, man. I got a friend like that who loves action movies and he <laughs> he can sometimes say some pretentious stuff, but I love him. He'll be like, I don't have favorite movies. I have favorite moments. I'm like I have faith feelings. I'm like, dude, stop, just stop, you know. And like, he's a filmmaker too. Like, he's my buddy. Um, he would probably like Pulp Fiction, but can you believe I showed this man Heat with De Niro and Pacino, and he said, "Yeah, that was cool. It was kind of dated, though." What? Like Heat with Pacino and De Niro and Val Kilmer. I showed this man that movie. Like, well, I. I recommended it to him and he watched it and we talked about it. He was like, yeah, this was a cool movie, man, but it was so 90s. I was like, you know, I I almost stopped talking to him. I was like, everything else he said after that, just I kind of zoned out. Like, you you know, like, oh, that is, oh, well, that's unfortunate that you lost a friend that day. (laughs) Somebody told me that once. They said, well, I'm glad he's not your friend anymore. I'm like, no, he's still my friend. But, like, yeah, man, I I couldn't believe he said that, man. Uh, What about you? Have you seen anything else? uh... Um, I talked about Reminiscence, right? Yeah, you talked about that last week. Yeah, I saw Reminiscence, The Glass, The Night House. Um, Housie, um, I don't know if you listen to her music. You listen to her? I do not. Okay. Yeah, well she's a um she's a alternative rock pop star. She came out with a, a short film that's based off her uh, her newest album that came out. If I can't have love, I want power. Um it was like a one night only thing at AMC. It was in IMAX. So uh I saw that about an hour long. Um it's not I don't want to say it was like a music video because it featured her music, but there was actually like a storyline to it. It's about this woman whose um, abusive husband falls to his death. Uh, she's pregnant. And she's a queen. So this is medieval times. Um, so she's a queen. They don't want her in the kingdom or, or being a queen because she's a commoner. So she's going through a pregnancy. Um, things get a little like, have you seen Mother with Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, that's the one with uh... Javier Bardem. Or no, I'm thinking uh, the one with Joaquin Phoenix, her. I don't think I've seen Mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, her has Scarlett Johansson, not Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically it's a very, like, it was kind of like a supernatural kind of horror film, psychological horror. Um, I liked it for the most part. I thought it was cool. It made me interested in the sound in the album because um, I listen to her, and this album is produced by Nine Inch Nails, who I really like. So... Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I wrote a review about it on um, 8-Bit Waffles. So for the most part, I thought it was it was solid. Um, I saw Sweet Girl on Netflix with Jason Momoa. How is that one? I haven't seen that one yet. So it was it was it, it was a Jason Momoa action film, dude. Like it, it was good. Um, it was more so for my wife because she wanted to watch it. You know, mm-hmm. she likes him. And, um, you know, I'm watching the film and I'm like, you know, it's generic action movie. It's 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 some well some well done action sequences in it. Um, there's a plot twist in the end. That's a little uh, weird. But, you know, it, it's so late in the game that you don't really care. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was OK. My life isn't better nor worse for watching it. It was it was a hype. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like I said, solid action sequences. Um, but as far as the story, the story was a little like uh, ridiculous. So, do you know the story of the movie? I don't. I know that Jason Momoa was in it, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, basically, Aquaman's wife, uh, she had cancer, and um, she. Uh, she she died from cancer, unfortunately. But the thing is, she could have been saved by this new pill, this new um, this new pill that was going to come out that basically 
if not cured cancer, it lessened the symptoms a little bit so she could live a little longer. Mm-hmm. But due to pharmaceutical greed, the people who ran the company decided not to not to release the pill to the public. And uh, he gets angry about this and, you know, basically tries to figure out what's going on, knows there's a, cons- a conspiracy with the pharmaceutical company and just tries to avenge the people that indirectly killed his wife. So it's one of those. Okay. Um, yeah, man. Like, yeah. You know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the I, I want a revenge for somebody's death that you really didn't cause but could have prevented. If my wife dies, you're going to die right after her. You know, yeah. it, it's one of those movies and it's just ridiculous, but it's it's entertaining. It's not a it's not a horrible movie. It's not bad. It's just it's better than Gunpowder Milkshake. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I Very say low that. bar to hop over there. Yeah, it's it's better than that movie. And Gunpowder Milkshake is better than Dragon Ball Z Evolution. Again, you're you're just trying to find another low bar to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you context on what's on on at least it's better than this. Oh, but uh, does that wrap it up for today? I guess it does. Uh, I guess it does wrap it up. You know, I will, um, we will see you all on the next one.